Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here in the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thanks for staying with us. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time, but we need you to amplify our effects. So please, because this comes out digitally in most venues, we're going to ask that you amplify this. You're getting this on our podcast service. Uh, you know what to do. So I got to tell you, folks, you heard my story about my encounter with the McDonald's employees. You know, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. We've got to really undo that if we're going to turn this around in our country. And we have a, a tremendous guest for you today, Christian Westbrook, and he is a uh, one of the major presenters at Steve Quayle's Gen 6 conference that's coming up here in a couple of weeks in June. And uh, we'll provide some info for that on the back end links. But uh, I, I know Steve Quayle's really excited to have Christian present. He's also known as the Ice Age Farmer. Before we join him on these uh, most critical issues he's covering, just wanted to let you know, I am really concerned about food and the combination of hyperinflation. I don't think you can have $32 trillion of debt in the economy and not have it blow back in your face. And there are a lot of people, Peter Schiff, Harry Dent, are calling for catastrophe in the month of June economically. I don't know if that's right. But what I do know is hyperinflation is in our future unless we have a dramatic turnaround. And once that hits, you're not going to be able to get preps. And food is probably your most important prep. That's why I'm encouraging you to go to MPS. And you'll get 25-year shelf life. You'll get restaurant-quality food. I've tasted it. It's perfectly sufficient. And actually, some of it's very tasty. And you'll get 2,000 calories per day. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And it's not fear-mongering to say once hyperinflation hits, you won't be buying preps. And I'm just saying, I hope that you take care of what you need to take care of. And if you don't get it from us, get it from somebody. Well, you've heard of Ice Age Farmer. And uh, his name is Christian Westbrook. And this is his first time on the Common Sense Show. And we're so pleased to have him. And uh, he's, like I said, part of the presentation team of this all-star group that Steve has put together. And uh, it's going to be a great conference. And so, Christian, I want to welcome you to the show. And I've been going over your work here since the first time we corresponded. And you are like a master of a multiple set of topics. Um, so I'm going to kind of leave it to you. But before we get in to the, your topics of choice, I want you to tell the audience a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dave. I'm thrilled to be here. And, um, you know, just briefly, I started studying deeply the, the climate situation and, you know, noticing that that was really the linchpin of this entire totalitarian technocratic takeover was to blame humanity for, you know, CO2 and emissions problems. Going back to the Club of Rome, it's been pretty clear that this has been their central pillar of the way that they're going to take over society and change people's behavior and mold us into, you know, effectively into slaves. Uh, and so I was looking very deeply in that, and it was in studying the natural cycles of climate, which correspond to cycles of the sun's behavior, um, that I really came across the situation where we are now, which is problems with food. It turns out this is something that's happened before. If you look back at previous times when the sun drops off in its activity, it's called a grand solar minimum. Mm -hmm. and we can talk more about sun cycles if you want, but the bottom line today is that throughout history, when the sun drops off in its output like this, um, millions of people die because of starvation, because the crops fail, there's not enough heat, there are uh, a loss of the growing seasons on both sides. You can see this during the Maunder Minimum in what was called the, uh, the Mini Ice Age or the Little Ice Age in Europe, or again during the Dalton Minimum more recently, where Thomas Jefferson wrote that corn crops across America were failing to the tune of 70%, and there were frosts in every month of the year. 
these um, entries in history are really insightful because we can look at what was going on with the sun during those times and correspond to the, the loss of crops and the loss of life. Uh, and then we can sort of interpolate, okay, well, we're going into such a period now, what can we expect? And so I have really focused a lot of attention on food, but you're exactly right also that we're now staring down the barrel of this confluence of factors, which is a very real commodities and food shortage specifically, but uh, conspiring with the hyperinflationary setup that's been created here by virtue of printing more dollars than you can shake a stick at just in the last year to fight this war on COVID, uh, plus a destruction, a deliberate destruction of our supply chain where we've got ships waiting to dock off the West Coast, unable to unload their containers. There's container shortages and other importers are simply unable to move their goods across the globe. So you can imagine this is actually a perfect storm and effectively it's siege warfare where nothing is able to get in. Uh, so even as our crops are failing here in the U.S., we're not able to get our crops uh, from other places in the world and we're being cut off. And even as that's happening, people are finding that when they go to the grocery stores, they're not able to buy as much food, certainly lumber and other uh, commodities that we would be using right now to stand up our own food production systems or other preps are increasingly difficult to, to get. As you were saying, if you want something, you need to get that now. If you want something long-term, you need to be figuring out how to make that for the, for the, for the going forward. Um, so it's, yeah, it, the, it's a very incendiary situation between these three factors, and that's why this is a very important conversation, and thanks for having it. Yeah, it, it, it is so critical, and I can't impress upon people that we're not dealing with one boogeyman, we're dealing with several at the same time, and you, you hit that. It is a confluence of factors. No question. And I think also what's exacerbating the food supply, uh, the meatpacking plants haven't made a full comeback since COVID began, and they could have put National Guard troops in hazmat suits there and trained them what to do, and we chose not to for whatever reason. The slaughtering of millions of cows, now the chicken shortage, which I don't really understand. And and I have to tell you an anecdotal story real quick. My wife went into a, a, show, a store, a major department store, very large in Surprise, Arizona, which is the most northwesterly suburb of Phoenix. We live rural, about 20 miles north. And in this huge store, there wasn't one carton of milk. And uh, meat purchases to some degree are being limited. So y you're right, we're beginning to see the effects. Real quick, I'm just curious, satisfying my own curiosity. Why is there a so-called shortage on chickens? I haven't heard of the cause. Yeah, the poultry shortage. So the media is happy to give you the explanation that everyone just wants chicken tenders right now and that somehow we just can't make enough nuggets. Uh, the reality, if you look underneath, is that um, there's a lot. In fact, we're at record exports in, in beef and close to that in poultry to China right now. And so the reality is that, I mean, these are meat companies like Smithfield, which is China-owned, JBS, which is owned by Brazil. We have sold off the production of protein of our country over these last decades. And uh, even Tyson is, you know, although it's still American-owned, they're very much aligned with the globalist agenda. And, you know, they've, they've been purchasing up all of these family, factory, uh, family farms over the last decades and then just merging and acquiring and growing it all into this big multinational meat company, even as at the same time, with their other hand, they're investing into fake meat and replacement agriculture. So this is really what, what we're looking at is a controlled demolition of the food supply of this country. And um, specifically with these shortages, you know, I just saw this, this data from the USDA that said we had record exports of beef to China this month, more than any, any other time in history right now, even as we're also being told domestically that there are shortages. And so there's, there's a, a lot of deception going on right now. 
And um, it's also worth noting that although we have record production and exports of that protein, a lot, is, a lot of that is because uh, ranchers are being forced to go ahead and slaughter off their, their herds and take that meat to market even at, um, because they're unable to continue feeding them. You know, with corn and soybean prices hitting decadal highs, it's animal feed is exploding through the roof right now. So a lot of ranchers are just saying, I'm, you know, I, I'm punching out. I'm going to go ahead and liquidate my herd, sell it off. Apparently that's going to China anyway, and then probably getting out of the business. So there's, it's, it's, a, um, it's, it's been a long time in the making, but all of these factors are contributing. And another thing, in fact, I uh, just saw a couple of days ago that Brazil has started to shut down some of their own meat production. They're, of course, one of the, the world's largest exporters of meat. And because their neighboring Argentina has decided that in order to protect, you know, with food prices rising to the roof, they don't want domestic uh, disturbances and geopolitical tensions to rise. So they've stopped exports. And that means Brazil can no longer feed their animals. And so they're actually uh, preemptively killing off animals and shutting down poultry production right now. So it's no longer that we can see that grains production is below pipeline levels and there's a point in the future where there will be a day of reckoning and we have to figure out what to do. That day of reckoning is now. And that's why they're shutting down meat production. That's why we're experiencing these shortages. And that's why, unfortunately, we can expect things to worsen and not improve. Well, Christian, I forgot to take my paranoid medication this morning because it sounds awful lot like the globalists are conspiring with national leaders to create a uh, food as a weapon strategy. There's Dave, very little question left at this point. And, you know, I, I have been very deliberate and careful over the past years of research to uh, make sure to source everything I talk about and delineate if we ever sort of slip into high octane speculation to, to sort of connect some dots, but, but keep that separate. And by now, you know, the, the U.S. justice system has a concept of would a reasonable person conclude this? And I think you're right that we're, we're way past the point where we, it sounds conspiratorial or paranoid to say that this is a deliberate shutdown, an engineered food shortage. It's, it's pretty blatantly obvious at this point that this is what's going on. The, the policy decisions and the, uh, the incentives that have been created for farmers to stop farming. You've heard Biden's 30-30 plan straight up pays farmers to stop farming, which more accurate to say that it forces them and then gives them a pittance to, uh, to sort of shut them up. But even just uh, a couple days ago, UK said, we're going to pay farmers to stop farming, preferably older farmers, because the younger generation tends to be a little bit more malleable. We can get them to do what we want with our carbon sinks and stuff like that. But we want the old farmers out of business. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very deliberate and open, I would say, shutdown of agriculture. I mean, this is why Bill Gates is up there saying we need to end animal agriculture. We should all be eating fake meat. It's just not, um, th there's no imagination left here. Any reasonable person would look at this data, if armed with it, and make the same conclusion. I agree. I don't know if you can answer this question, but uh, you just brought up Bill Gates and the fake meat. Uh, it begs the question, does anybody know what's in the fake meat? Uh, it depends on, yeah, there's, there's a few different approaches. So the, the plant-based meats are kind of like the, the first generation that are being used to whet the palate, if you will, of, uh, of the public about the idea of, not eat, of fake meat in general. It sounds good because it's plant-based, and there's been a lot of propaganda around that. Uh, even looking into that, though, the reality is that to do that, they've had to create these huge fields of monocrop at scale agriculture with GMO soybeans. So it's GMO and it's poorly managed agriculture there. That's not good for the environment. Then they take it and they mix in GMO heme to make it look like it's a bleeding burger. You know, you may have read, read about some of these fake, fake meat companies doing different things to make it look and feel more like meat. Uh, that's obviously, you know, a GMO 
blood addition is obviously not good for you. So it's not good for the environment. It's loaded with estrogens, and it's not good for us either. Mm. So the whole argument about this being, you know, and that's, that's, you know, Impossible Foods, one of their slogans is better for the environment, better for you. These are specious arguments. They're, both, they're just false. Uh, and then looking even further ahead, you start seeing the lab-grown meat uh, where they, you know, it's not even plant-based or based on anything real. It's just com- a complete synthetic creation, defiling God's creation. There are companies that are quite proud that they're going out and cataloging the DNA of various species and then saying, hey, it turns out if we take some saber-toothed tiger DNA and some duck and maybe a little bit of squid, it takes, it, we can CRISPR modify all this stuff together and print in a vat of nutrient solution these proteins that taste delicious. You wouldn't believe the mouthfeel. And I really, I can't think of any uh, better way than to say this is completely defiling God's creation and then just feeding us the results. Um, obviously, this GMO, CRISPR-modified synthetic protein stuff doesn't have the same stuff that you would find in good pasture-raised, grass-finished beef where it's, you know, out there in the sun eating good stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, a, not a pretty situation. Well, okay, I, a little bit about, so you'll understand the nature of my question. I, I used to teach at a university for 14 years, and one of the things I taught extensively was research to students doing their dissertations. And we used medical modeling a lot because it used to be very pure, and I say used to be because we seem to be no longer following those rules. And we used to teach the standard rules of uh, research protocols using medical modeling. So I have a couple questions along the lines of what you brought up with this fake meat. And... Um, and just coming at this as an academician, have there been any animal studies on the effects of the fake meat that have been published? Mm, I don't know the answer to that. I do know that the FDA was reticent initially. They were a little bit reluctant to give their approval to Impossible Foods GMO heme. Um, but then, of course, there was somehow there was pressure down from above that eventually they got a, an approval. And actually, that didn't even stop them from producing. And because Whole Foods is owned by Bezos. It didn't stop them from putting the product on the shelves anyway. So even without, I mean, the without FDA break, approval, that's that's correct. Yeah. So they they just went ahead with it anyway. These this and this is something you'll see more and more since sort of the pandemic started last year. Is that just all all holds? It's it's all going forward at a breakneck speed right now. Part of that is because they don't want people to realize what's going on and react to these different parts of the agenda that are all manifesting around us to form a, a perfect prison between the you know the digital currency and this fake food and the um, total surveillance state each of these components is really um, coming together to create a total prison planet scenario and that's that's something that can only happen if people aren't aware of what's going on so yeah they they, they really have sort of stopped even following the illusion of their own rules at this point okay so uh, and I just want to kind of complete the line here to close the loop so uh, you're not aware of any animal studies. I put a question mark there for myself to go research this. Okay, uh, a lot of these companies will hang their hats on their long-term uh, do, uh, double-blind studies. Are you aware of any of these that show no deleterious effects from the fake meat? I'm not aware of any studies on that. Okay, well, this is academic fraud. Uh, it's research fraud. Um, and then I want to address the issue that you said it's loaded in estrogen. Um, you know, the totals are important, but probably not germane to this conversation. But estrogen obviously competes with testosterone and could make men, you know, have man boobs, and for lack of a better expression, sorry. And then uh, also 
you have uh, the inducement of female body type, basically. Um, less angular, less muscular, but also too, and I've read some studies that tell me that when mass amounts of estrogen are combined over a period of time with um, normally produced testosterone, that this can actually be the uh, source of conflict that could lead to cancer cells evolving. Have you looked into the estrogen factor along any of these lines or related lines? Not in detail as to how the um, physiological effects would be. I just know, yeah, I just know that eating soy is not what we're supposed to do, that this is any no. introduction of, of, uh, of hormones like that into one's diet is asking for trouble. We have a very, you know, God created this very bespoke balance with, with um, how strong men and strong women should be, and to ingest, you know, 44 milligrams of estrogen per soy burger is just insane. Um, but this is, it, it, it's to be expected, right, given that the background of, for example, Bertrand Russell, who very openly stated that it will be a combination of diet, injections, and injunctions that conspire to create the, the perfectly uh, moldable subject that they can just get to do whatever without any meaningful resistance. And so that's exactly what they're doing is feeding us uh, stuff. I mean, this is, again, this is something that's done throughout history where they just take the good protein away from the peasants and feed them grains that are difficult to digest and put them in a state of nutritional deficiency so that they can't, they're not strong enough to fight back. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing on a global scale right now. Well, they're taking the manliness out of society and that uh, if people ever want to resist, well, you've just really cut your chances of success. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's how I see the estrogen question as well, too, that this is absolutely fascinating. Um, anything else we need to know about this fake meat? Uh, I would just avoid it as much as you can. But, um, but you know, it's, it's worth acknowledging that, for example, the mission statement, this is their public mission statement of Impossible Foods, is to end animal agriculture. Yeah. And so, Dave, it's a different conversation when, you know, if these guys were just doing their thing in a garage and creating fake meat and maybe some soy boy somewhere wanted it, that's all fine with me, free market, right? Go, go ahead and there's plenty of people doing crazy things. It's when these people are highly funded by those people who are also policymakers and regulators, uh, and they're saying we're going to end farming and ranching. And, and it's a full court press, right? The, the fake meat is just one part of it. You've also got Fauci saying that pandemics originally began when humans settled down and started doing agriculture and raising animals. Uh, in fact, this is intimately tied to the whole COVID-19 narrative that the pandemic was sourced from a meat market in China. So the, the um, attempt to brand traditional farming and ranching, in other words, the ability to feed your family yourself as now dirty and antiquated is, uh, is one that uh, is a dangerous one. And it's not a new one either. In fact, Joseph Stalin when he was addressing the Ukraine grains crisis, made a point of saying the way out of this grains crisis is to get rid of those peasant farms, is to kick the kulaks off their land and create these new large-scale state-run farms that are powered by science and technology and will feed us going forward. It's the same verbiage. It's the same propaganda that we hear from Bill Gates. We now have science and technology. We can do collectivism better this time and make it work somehow. So it's, it's not novel, it's just better funded and a global scope this time, and that's why we have to fight it. You know, the movie uh, with Charlton Heston, Soylent Green, keeps popping into my mind with several things you've said. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the people aren't being given a choice in this. How seriously should we take Joe Biden's claim, by 2030, 90% of all red meat will be gone, and if you're lucky, you can have a hamburger a month? 
we should uh, pay close attention to this because even if we don't cling to those exact numbers or even if they don't hit their targets, in fact, you can get different numbers from different parts of the, uh, of the agenda. For instance, there's a group in the UK known as the Fires Group who published a report called Absolute Zero, How We Achieve Zero Carbon Emissions by 2050. And they've, it's, it's a, I find this to be a, a great example of sort of these agendas. I did a report on this called Absolute Slavery that goes line by line through uh, a bunch of different sectors they outline, including transportation, which means eliminating private ownership of cars, food, which means eliminating uh, beef by 2050 completely, and 50% by 2030. Um, so it's, it's really insightful to see uh, shutting down air traffic, shutting down shipping, which we sort of see the beginnings of that right now as after the Suez Canal, they say, hmm, it doesn't really work. We can't do this anymore because this one ship got stuck. We're going to have to figure out how to use other methods of, of moving goods around the, the globe. Um, so the, the trajectory, right, the vector is very clear here that they're going to eliminate red meat and then after that, shortly, uh, poultry and all meat. But um, different reports will, and different parts of the world are, are targeting, I think China says 50% by 2040. So it really just depends on which state or nation you look at. But all of them, <laughs> without exception, say we're going to eliminate beef in the near future here. You know, I, I'm still getting, uh, you know, subjugation, subjugation. And I understand taking or um, um, putting estrogen in large amounts into the food, what that'll do. But it doesn't seem like a strategy for suppressing the people that's really efficient and foolproof. Uh, are there any other motivations that you see why they want meat out of our diet so badly? I think it is, sure, I think it is the most nutritionally dense um, food. I think it, we need those healthy fats to feed our brain. We need those proteins to build our bodies. And um, lacking those, we do devolve and our health suffers. And then we are fed right into that big pharma machine which is you know it's it, these aren't separate these are if you look at the rockefeller foundation's reset the table document or any of these um big ag alliances right there in the list of authors are the big pharma companies uh, are the big banks so this is an integrated agenda it's not fair to say that uh, the food system is happening separately in fact part of the whole goal of that rockefeller foundation document reset the table was to marry this medical martial law state that's now been stood up over the last year with nutrition and diet and sort of make the case that well now that uh, now that we have this global public health crisis uh, looks like we're gonna also have to take control over how you grow food and what you eat because it's it's in the public health's interest we, we simply can't afford to let you eat bad things anymore and this is an extension of that nanny state mentality we've seen from banning soft drinks and, and sort of uh, the sort of setting the table there but uh, yeah so it's Go ahead. Their logic is so flawed historically, and you mentioned Fauci earlier saying that uh, people congregating and raising food is the cause of pandemics. I have news for Fauci. You go to the earlier, uh, earliest accounts, even in pastoral and pre-pastoral hunting and gathering societies, they had pandemics. They had all kinds of things that killed them, like smallpox. Uh, so to say there wasn't pandemics or that's the result of industrialization and congregation in urban settings, it's bogus. It's historically, um, it's historically dishonest. It's, yeah, it's, it's straight up lying to your face. I think there's two reasons for that. One is just to mock you. I think they enjoy telling you it's going to get warmer as the planet is cooling uh, and, uh, tell, you know, just 
just mocking you to your face with ridiculous stuff like that because a lot of the public won't even question it. But also it's because they have to craft that narrative. They're making the case that we must do away with farming and ranching. This appeals also to the biodiversity goals of the, you know, the sustainable development goals that the UN puts out where we're going to rewild all of our farms will just be left in nature and we'll give it back to the animals. And to make that happen, we're going to herd all of the people into the smart cities, into these little tiny apartments where you won't be allowed to even keep animals. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's creating that, that script and that predictive programming and that justification to achieve their agenda. You just said something that makes me wonder if you've ever visited the website america2050.org. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, yeah, those are those, yeah, there's a fantastic uh, image there about the emerging mega regions. Yes. And if you look at, in fact, the, so just to tie that together with what we were saying before, the absolute zero report emphasizes there will be no ownership of cars. We're going to shut down shipping. We're going to shut down air travel and everything will be done by train. We're all going to, we're going back to trains. As soon as Biden got into office, one of the first things, he did a number of things that were uh, very bad for agriculture, but among the other things that he did in those executive orders was, and the infrastructure package was push a ton of money towards Amtrak, which is of course owned by the state, to uh, to revitalize. And they've, they've, Amtrak has a map up now of the routes that they will be adding, uh, given this new infrastructure funding. And it is isomorphic. It is exactly the same. If you line them up with that agenda, the uh, America 2050 map, it, it is the Amtrak. Uh, new routes that they're planning. So this is, yeah, that's not some crazy America 2050 document. That is the plan that is being implemented now. It's being executed on. Well, it's interesting that that uh, you're as familiar with it probably more so than I am. I don't recall the man's name because I wasn't prepared to talk about it today, and I haven't written about this in probably five or six years. But the author of that website, the initial composer of it, uh, advised Obama on these kinds of issues. In fact, he was the one that created differential gas sales taxes higher in the suburbs to nudge people to the inner city and close in living. And uh, so this 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 has had official sanction since the Obama administration. That, that, that really, to me, was very telling because I said if we ever get another Obamanite elected, and we do, I said this mm-hmm. is where we're going. And it's clearly... Um, I'm also now hearing stories that not only are we going to lose our cars, and Kamala Harris has been very blunt about saying that's going to happen, so is Biden, but what about losing our homes? Yeah, I think we see this happening gradually as well. Um, Germany is just working on banning single-family homes, and that's one of the first actual um, regulatory implementations I've seen. I haven't seen any, even in the like very left-leading areas in the U.S., I haven't seen people say we need to get rid of single-family homes. But you do see in a lot of the, you know, the social impact funds that are investing in ways to lower housing costs. All of those funds are being routed to yeah these big uh, residential buildings with smaller, uh, smaller-sized dwellings and lots of pe- cramming lots of people into these places. And the the way that's all described is that well we have a investment with a social impact fund and the goal is to keep housing prices below the median price so that we can you know so that people will be able to afford houses but the reality is that yeah they're through zoning and also through frankly through attacks like the santa rosa fire where lots of these residences were lost and then they were told you're not you're not allowed to rebuild here uh that's happening actually even where i am in california 
as the uh, as these wildfires have happened over the past few years and the public safety power shutoffs of the grid, insur- people are getting letters from their insurance companies that say, we're not going to float a policy on your home anymore. We're not going to cover you. It's just too risky, and we can't cover you for home insurance anymore, which, of course, is needed for your mortgage. And so there is an erosion happening already of um, pushing people into the urban areas. But I, but I haven't yet seen someone say, you know, we're going to ban single-family homes, although, like I said, that is now being openly discussed in the EU. Well, the Pope has been out front on this, and I know mm-hmm. he's not an official policymaker, but he does seem to reflect the globalist direction many times, trying to bring his flock with him. And he said quite clearly that to not own property, and that included home ownership, is not communism. It's the ultimate in Christianity. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's effectively what he said. And so I, I, I'm wondering if we're going to get pushed in that direction. I actually had a guest on about 10 years ago that was citing UN documents, and, and this wasn't one thing I was planning on bringing up, so I'm going to have to quote this from vague memory. But mm-hmm. this guest told me that there are UN uh, policies that if your house doesn't meet certain energy requirements in the future, they can fine you until they take you out of your house. Do you, do you know anything about this? Absolutely. So, part, again, part of that uh, absolute zero agenda is the idea that people are going to be forced to replace their wood stoves and their gas-based broilers and other any heating source other than heat pumps seems to be the one that, because it's you know, driven by their electrical grid, that they can control and they can dial into the smart meters and turn your thermostat up or down. That is the sanctioned future of heating your house. Uh, is a pretty expensive heat pump that is remote controllable. Um, and so, yeah, there are parts of the world that are starting to to, to put that into code. Uh, certainly, even in the U.S., they'll say new construction. I think Berkeley and then some other places around the Bay Area have started to say that new construction cannot use natural gas. And a lot of chefs and restaurant owners were saying, well, I can't build, you know, I can't build a restaurant then if I can't cook my food over an open flame like that. But, you know, that's, there it is. That's, that's the way it is. Does that mean um, outdoor barbecues too? Uh, I don't think that was part of the, the the code change for in the Bay Area municipalities for for new buildings. But uh, but Amsterdam right now is working on burning wood stoves as well. So it's just a matter of time. You know the, the goals are out there, and like you said, uh, with the Pope saying that, or with Klaus Schwab out and the World Economic Forum telling us we're going to own nothing but be happy anyway. It's it again. It's not. Um, conjecture or speculation to say that these things are happening. It's just reading the data and making a reasonable conclusion. Uh, this is uh, really frightening. What do you think Klaus Schwab meant when he said you own nothing? Is it literally own nothing, everything, your clothes on your back, your residence, your your, uh, your golf clubs? I mean, own nothing? Absolutely. No, I think that, you know, we see uh, the uh, the sharing economy, like Ubers and Lyfts, where you ride share, you don't own the car, but you have use of it. That's the sort of the, the ethos behind that whole idea that they're trying to inculcate in people. And if you talk to a lot of, uh, it's, it, it should be a partisan issue, but I was going to say, if you talk to a lot of leftists, they're all in on this. They think that's fantastic. I would love not to have to own things and have to maintain them myself. I'd rather just pay when I actually need to use it. And so it extends this this thinking into everything. They don't they don't realize, of course, that that means they don't that they can be cut off from these resources at any time. They don't yeah, they, they don't yet conflate right. that with the idea of the top down control of, of society. So that's where it's dangerous. Well, Christian, you're exactly right. Um, that right that you give up is often a right you don't get back. 
and yeah. uh, that's you're, you're so right on the money with the way you express that um, we're moving really into what you're describing here and we haven't even got to the grand solar minimum yet but you're, you're getting into an area uh, that I would call neo-feudalism <clears throat> because yeah, you know absolutely. the elite are still going to fly to their conferences you know their Bilderberg conference their, their uh, climate change conferences they're going to go in their Learjets um, they're not going to take a boat. They're not going to take public transportation. They're going to eat red meat. I, I don't. It's always been a case of rules for thee, but not for me. Uh, and and so basically, you're looking at if you don't own anything, you're not worth very much. Your net worth is uh, probably pretty close to zero. And so that that's the fate of the serfs in the old feudal system. As expressed very well by John Kerry when he said, no one should be allowed to fly, but, but I can. It's the only choice for someone like me, where his exact words. So, yeah, this, this, this two-tier society is absolutely, you're quite a student pointing that out. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just an amazing thing. And we're even seeing this in government. I'll just give you an example. I'll digress for a second. I have been all over the Maricopa County audit. And, and people that are watching the media, you're not getting the real view. I've had people from the inside talk to me, but also now things are beginning to come out officially. It's so corrupt, the election should be thrown out right now. We don't even need any more evidence. They don't even need to finish what they've done. But here's the response. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, and this illustrates the attitude of globalists everywhere. I suspect that they worked with the communist Chinese in uh, subverting this election as we found in Georgia. But here's their answer. They are under court order right now to uh, surrender certain uh, articles, certain documents, and they're absolutely refusing. And the sheriff is standing with them and refuses to enforce any kind of contempt proceeding. And it's a case of rules for thee, but not for me. And are you finding this in a lot of avenues? Because I certainly am. I mean, two-tier justice system. The elite and the global types get that what they need and they're not prosecuted for breaking the law, but everybody else, watch out, because we'll come and get you. Without a doubt, and while this has always been the case to some extent, again, I would say within the last uh, little more than a year since the pandemic started, it's just been, all pretense has been dropped. It's just open, in your face, we're going to do whatever we want to you, and uh, you know, Bill Gates walking around without a mask, even as he says, everyone should be wearing masks. So that, yeah, I, I think we could find a litany of examples here that all emphasize that, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> we're not dignified enough to uh, show our faces in public. Um, let's talk a little bit about the grand solar minimum, how that comes into play with all this. Sure, so I think um, what we've been talking about really is how it affects us. So it's, it is sort of the, the more, by now it's the more important and relevant part. We all need to be getting ready for the, this perfect storm ahead of us, uh, doing everything we can to move from a model of consuming, because those goods aren't going to be there, or if they are there, we're not going to be able to afford them anymore, uh, mm -hmm. to a model where we are producers, we're, we're growing our own food, we're crafting our own medicines, we are um, harvesting our own lumber, and you just apply this same logic to anything that you do in your life. Uh, and that's, that's the way forward. And, and particularly right now, you know, those of us that are having this conversation, uh, anyone listening, needs to be doing that, but also be doing it in a way that allows them to create things which will in turn let their neighbors make that switch from consumers to producers. Because as they figure it out, they're going to be looking around, and if there's no lumber for them to build you know, a chicken coop or a garden area, 
then they're hosed. And so that we don't want to see the people around us get into that situation. So not only making sure that you and your family are in a good position, but making sure that you're um, prepared to be helping the rest of your community around you come online as that happens. I just wanted to fit that in. So the grand solar minimum is um, the, uh, the, really, I would say, the driver of the whole timeline. And in fact, when you look at the way things have been going, it's, sometimes it seems like they're moving too quickly, or why wouldn't they just take a little bit of a break before they come back with a second lockdown? But I would say that the reason that they're so aggressive in this, even when it seems to work against their own purposes at some points, is because they have a hard deadline, Dave. And that is a, a natural cycle of the sun, which after this, you know, we're already in a, a very muted cycle of solar cycle 24, solar cycle 25, which we're entering into now, is predicted to be small as well. Um, so we can expect the crop losses and the climatic instabilities to continue, as well as volcanic and seismic activity. But after that, it's, you know, by NOAA's own numbers and by a number of researchers' models, uh, the, the sun's activity drops off even further into a Maunder-style uh, minimum. And that's why they have, like I said, that's, you know, you see the 2030 deadline with agenda 2030 and elimination of 50% of beef, like you said, by 2030, that number keeps coming up because it's a hard deadline. They need to have the population under much stricter control by the time the food system and all of these uh, factors are coming into play. So that's why I think um, it, it remains relevant to the conversation to try and understand why their timeline is as it is. So they're panicked because of natural causes? I think uh, they're seizing on, you know, this, what, what really is a crisis for global food production, of course, they see always as the opportunity not to help us and set up more resilient food systems and learn about regenerative agriculture, which would be a sensible way forward to, to sort of return to what has always existed and uh, roll back this Rockefeller agriculture that has decimated our health, it's destroyed our topsoil. There's, you know, we could go on and on about the problems with modern toxic agriculture. But rather than, um, than address those problems, they want to fail forward onto this even more disgusting synthetic lab-grown meat. And so that's, yeah, that's, I wouldn't say they're panicked as much as they're uh, foaming at the mouth to take total control. Wow. Well, it also seems to me, and I'm going to draw a conclusion on the cumulative effects of what you've described, that they want to keep the masses in a prolonged state of diminished health, malnutrition, underdeveloped males, uh, and, and really moving towards shorter lifespans, which fits the depopulation model that so many of them have espoused, you know, 90% reduction of the Earth's population. Uh, is this part of the depopulation plot, or is that too conspiratorial? No, I don't think there's any question. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's... Uh, I also think they were panicked for another reason, too. Before the pandemic hit, I actually wrote an article, and I went through and I counted, and I said, there are 40 basic uprisings in the world right now. And I talked about the Yellow Vest, the Hong Kong people mostly, but I said, there are over 40 that I can count. Populism is rearing its ugly head to the globalists, and we're even seeing it in places like the Philippines. And I said, Donald Trump has had a profound effect on some of this. And it, it seemed like it, they had enough. And a couple months later, here comes the, the pandemic, uh, the shutdown of all liberties, the removal of all constitutional rights. How do you see the pandemic? I think the pandemic has been, uh, this might be a... Um, 
a, uh, you know, a statement that some people don't agree with, but I think the pandemic has really just been a practice run in sort of softening up uh, the population for this real crisis, this food crisis ahead. Because when you look at the goals that they have um, for, you know, some of the, everything we've been talking about today, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to eat fake meat. Nobody wants to live in smart cities completely surveilled at all times with satellites above us and biobots in the sewers below us. I mean, it's, it's an insane technocratic reality that they have envisioned and frankly are already building for us. But people would reject that. They do. There are studies that show that even Gen Z, uh, the most propagandized generation in history, it doesn't want the, the lab-grown meat. They think it's 70% of them say it's disgusting. So the social engineering around, oh, you should feel guilty because there's too many people and the earth is crying under our load, it's just not enough. And so they're moving from the carrot to the stick. But they couldn't just do that straight up. And if there had been food shortages out of the gate, I think we would have had a very different response than now after a year of this psychological abuse that we have all endured, especially children. Uh, it's been unthinkable. But so, as you just intimated, people by now are already used to our constitutional rights being apparently a thing of the past. Like, they're still there, but no one seems to be enforcing them. It's it's It's... It's now, it's kind of like the food system. It's now dirty and antiquated and a thing of the past, a barbarous relic like gold, right? So, so I think it's been a, uh, a softening up of the population and also an excuse for a lot of the things that couldn't have been pulled off before, like the big te tech companies marrying their data sets and then handing them over to the government. It's all being done now because it's a matter of public safety. But uh, before, there would be privacy considerations and, and watchdogs would speak out. There's none of that now. There's no resistance from anywhere within the system. Um, it is good, though. I, am, I, I do take heart when I see, as you also suggested, that people uh, are rising up right now. And the largest example of this, both conceptually and quantitatively, is the Indian farmer pro protests, where 250 million farmers, Dave, took out to the streets. And that's more than 10 times the size of all the world's militaries put together. So when you talk about the idea of humanity rising up to throw off this totalitarian state, I love the vision of just, I mean, it's, it's you know, like three times the population of Germany just saying, we're not going to do this. You're not going to take away our, our right to grow food. So there are glimmers. Yeah, there are glimmers of, of humanity rising up and trying to put a stop to this. But uh, it, it, it'll, take, it'll take all of us. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, let me relate this anecdote and to my audience who's heard me tell this before I apologize but it, it's time to interject this I stopped at a McDonald's recently not because I love the delicatessen but I had to go to the bathroom so to be fair I bought a soft drink and then I thanked the attendant when I left and, and I said you know I'm just curious about something do you guys ever talk about your job security regarding uh, Biden's meat policies and she said I have no idea what you're talking about and I explained it to her, and I gave her the quote about eat hamburger once a month. I said, that'll take your jobs away, and this is a tough time. She went and got her manager, and I basically told her the same story. Here's this woman in her early to mid-30s. I don't watch the news. I don't know anything that's going on. I said, well, if you want to keep your job, you might want to follow up and research what I said by going to a search engine. That is typical America, and that's what my family said when I related the story. And I don't see those people rising up because they don't even understand that they're at war. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's a shame. It it really just hurts to hear stuff like that and see people like that because Americana, the the, the classic. I, I still have a lot of faith in 
those core American values and, and the ingenuity and the entrepreneurialism that got us where we are now, although it's, it's really hard to find that when you, certainly in the cities when you walk around, uh, I think there's still a lot of it hidden, sort of out dispersed in rural areas. Uh, and it's, it's almost too bad that, that it's not more highly visible because I think it would give people more hope if they could still see, you know, people doing the right thing and living in good ways. But, uh, but you're, you're right that uh, people have been propagandized and pummeled with fear and with poisoned food and talk, equally toxic media until they just sort of shut down and try and hide. I mean, even the, the speech in network sort of spoke to this where people just their box is getting smaller and smaller and they just huddle in their homes and say please just leave me this leave me this little area where I can just hide from all the nonsense out there um, so it's it's a difficult it's a, it is a psychological war bigger than anything I think in history it's very well orchestrated for the grand nature of the plan I mean I have to hand it to the globalists they're brilliant but if you have their playbook like you and I do because we've been at this for a while it's easy to see through, but for the average person, they're not seeing anything, and that's why shows like ours are important. Um, I'm really looking forward to your presentation um, on Gen 6 in June. It's going to be fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find that information that uh, you can attend uh, the Ice Age Farmers presentation, as he's nicknamed himself. Um, and I think you can hear it's going to be dynamite. But that is available at the Steve Quayle dot com website also i have it on mine at the commonsenshow.com as well and you can go in there and click on the appropriate links and you'll be able to register and if you do so now steve has set up some uh, special goodies for you some incentives to order now and and uh, we're calling it the extinction protocols and i think you can hear very clearly from our conversation with christian here that the word extinction is not an overstatement christian uh, you do fantastic work and if this is the first time someone is hearing you, tell them how they can better follow you. I appreciate that, Dave. I have a website on iceagefarmer.com that is on a private server, and so that's the one place I tell people to go check out. I am somehow still on YouTube, and so that's a very easy one to find. But I, you know, <laughs> any day now, I, I'm surprised every day when it's still there. I've already been kicked off Twitter. Uh, I do also put out a lot of information through Telegram at t.me slash farmer, and so that's another fun place to uh, connect and then uh, also I, I welcome people to reach out to me because if you're seeing empty shelves or if you're a farmer who's being you know encountering some of this pressure I'd love to hear from you that's iceagefarmer at protonmail.com yeah it's interesting because I'm hearing from a couple of farmers that they're telling me the farmers are being paid not to grow and you alluded to that but they're also yep. being told that if you don't go along with this you won't get for lack of a better term, crop devastation insurance for the next uh, uh, growing season. Are you aware of that threat? I've seen, yes, I've heard lots of people telling me this kind of uh, strong arming is going on. The USDA has been red dotting farms for some time, but is getting much more aggressive about yeah, shutting these operations down. Yeah, do you, um, and I've made this point before, and I'm just wondering how you see it. I look at all the stuff that Obama did. He didn't. He enforced very little, but he really, in my mind, legislatively through executive orders like 13603, he really set the stage for what was supposed to be Hillary Clinton in 2016 and now Joe Biden's handlers in 2020. Um, do you see Obama as like the setup guy and this is close the deal time? 
I think that's a, a fair way to say it. Um, even during the, the, the years of Trump, there was there were elements of this agenda that have that continued to roll forward. You know, the trade deals with China were were pitched as this victory, and oh, there's a trade war. The reality underneath, Dave, is that we've been shoveling our grains and our foodstuffs out the door, hand over fist, in the last 18 months to China here at record levels. And when I say record, I don't mean you know just higher than normal. I mean a year's worth of grains at, in typical times in history was going out the door in a single week. So I would say we have been systematically, uh, our substance has been eaten out over these last uh, decade and a half now here. But this is something, again, it, it even precedes Obama. Right before he got into office, W was responsible for the liquidation of our national strategic grain reserves, which used to hold, you know, we used to have food in case there were shortages, we could still feed the nation. That's been done away with now. We sold it off, we hold cash. And even on Wikipedia, it's pretty unambiguous. It says, now that we hold cash, we can help other countries here and there with some of their food shortages. But if there were ever a global shortage of commodities, we wouldn't have any, we'd have nowhere to turn. And unfortunately, that's where we are now. Yeah, exactly. And this is a question, I almost think it's hyperbole, but I'm wondering if they're really serious. Do you think they're going to try to make us eat bugs? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's you know the UN has been saying that for a long time. Even the IPCC was saying for environmental reasons we need to eat bugs. The, you have seen within this last year uh, a lot of pet foods and animal feeds being introduced. Uh, large insect protein factories being created around the world. France was just talking about how we're now going to build the largest insect protein factory in the world. A lot of it's being rolled out as this is how we're going to feed animals, but it's just a small. Uh, you know, change to, from there to eating insects. In fact, the EU just legalized eating insects for humans. Oh so, God. and the World Economic Forum is constantly pumping out little videos of the insect burgers and things like that. Oh. So it'll take. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> sorry, they're, that's they're, terrible. It is. It's. It's. Uh, I mean, it's a delicacy in some places. The problem here is that they're going to force us to eat that. So again, if it were a matter of free choice, feel free to eat it, whatever you want. But uh, but when they're saying. You're not, we're going to do away with cows. You're not allowed to, to feed your family with your own animals at home anymore. And here are the bugs you're going to be eating going forward. Then that's yeah, why, we need to be paying attention. Christian, that's why they have to get the guns. Because I'm yep. telling you right now, th this is going to get probably the most resistance, more than high taxes, not owning your home, but stuffing just gross stuff down your throat. People are going to say no and hell no. Anyway, my friend, we are out of time, and I'm going to have you back on our TV show because this is just so fascinating, and we barely touched the surface. I want to thank you for coming on and keep up the great work. Always a pleasure to read your stuff. And, uh, folks, I'm telling you, this is an example of what you're going to get with Steve Quayle's conference. You're not going to want to miss it. Christian, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Take care.